Hi, everyone. Welcome to Relatively Sane. It's Jessica Curson. I am so depressed and just forced myself to sound really upbeat so that I can make all of you happy, even though I'm suffering horribly. Because that's really what it's about. It's about making sure that all of you are smiling and having a good day when I'm just... uh, I'm miserable. No, I'm not that miserable. I'm really trying to be grateful. I've said this before a lot, but I think the more grateful you are, the better things things get. When I'm getting really down and sad and upset, I remember to be grateful. I'm very grateful for a lot of things. Let me let me name three things I'm grateful for today. I am so grateful that I'm gaining weight. You know, I'm really grateful that I'm getting bigger because I think that's going to help me, you know, just be less stressed. Like when I go clothes shopping, I'll, I'll have a harder time fitting into things and I'll have a breakdown in the dressing room. And I'm just, I'm very grateful for that. I think that's going to really help me have a better outlook on life. I'm, I'm grateful that I have no work. You know, I think it's very good to be sitting at home worrying about money and panicked and wondering how my children are going to eat. And I'm, and I'm really grateful that my back feels like it's going out again. You know, I feel like that'll be good because if my back goes out and I have that pain in my leg that I get, that sciatica, then I don't have to leave the bed. I have an excuse because I really don't want to leave the bed. So I'll at least have an excuse where every time I move, I'll scream. So it'll be obvious. Um, I really hope that you guys are doing great. I hope you're enjoying being home and not being able to see anyone or have physical contact or um, live any of your dreams. I, I you know, I, I, I hope everyone is really just feeling good. I, I love that you guys listen to my podcast. More and more people are reaching out. Please tell your friends if you still have friends, because I know like we haven't seen anyone, so I think a lot of you probably lost a lot of friends because you just haven't been in contact. But if you still are talking to your friends, um, tell them about this podcast, please. Relatively Sane. I have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. It's not a lot of money, guys. You can spend $5, $8 a month. You get, now I'm doing two podcasts a week. So you get early access to two podcasts. You get Q&As. I mean, so many videos. I've been putting up a lot of videos of my of my kids and stuff behind the scenes that you don't normally see. I, I put up a video of myself showering the other day which I would never normally put up. I'm just joking that I would rather be burnt alive than put up a video of me showering. Um, but follow us, follow us on relatively sane on Instagram, Twitter, jessicacurson.com at Jesse Curson on Instagram and follow virtual comedy network. They're amazing. And that's Jim Serpico. And that's the company that, that produces all of my stuff. Everything you've been seeing is is through that company and you should follow them too. And listen, we're all going to be okay. We're going to get really fat and really resentful and we're all going to have a lot of fear of being around each other. If any of you cough near me, I'll fucking kill you. But I'm really excited for this podcast and uh, I can't wait for you to hear my guest. He's incredible. And uh, I'm so excited. Here is Adam Ferrara. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome to Relatively Sane. I'm here with my very close friend who I adore, Adam Ferrara. Hey, baby. How are you? I'm good. Look, like, so Adam and I are obviously doing this over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's so weird to not sit in the same room as people and do a podcast. Do you think that's weird for you with your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's always that delay and that latency in there. So sometimes you're stepping on each other on the end of the uh, on the end of the sentences. And more importantly, is we're uh, I, when we're, we're confessional comes, but I think we're we're instinct people. You know, yes. like we can feel an audience, read an audience. And I think that's what drives us. So that human connection, that being in close proximity with somebody, I think is uh, is is we have spidey sense when when that's t- when this is kind of antiseptic. So it is a little awkward and takes some getting used to. It is awkward, and I'm I'm basically doing this from my bed. Um, mm-hmm. Some people set up like you have. You guys need to watch this on on YouTube because Adam mm-hmm. has this incredible scene behind him, which I thought was real. Now now it's obvious because when you move there's a shadow. That's hysterical. Yeah. yeah, I move like that. Yeah. It's uh it's, I have a you thought I was in London. This is the exterior of Abbey Road studio. Yeah, it's so cool. I yeah, thought you I were have, sitting on the stairs somewhere. Yeah, this is I, I have this I made this little studio at my house and I'm a big Beatles fan. So I have the exterior of Abbey Road studio and there's that famous picture when they uh did the Abbey Road album, they were all sitting on the steps. Yes. So I thought I thought it would be cool. And now that I got it set up, I'm like, okay. You either like it or you just think I'm outside. You either like it or you think I'm on Sesame Street, one or the other. No, I love it. I'm, I'm, I love that I'm just sitting in my bed. Like, I, my hair is up. I didn't. Yeah. The thing is, I don't really give a shit um, <laughs> what I look like or what about anything anymore. <laughs> like, I was doing a video the other day. You're going to love this. And I did, like, a black woman character. Right. And I said, if anyone is offended by this, block me, delete me. Like at this point, if you're upset because yeah. I'm doing the voice of a black woman, yeah. then we have problem. Like w- there's a virus going on. You can't leave your house. <laughs> like, yeah, this this is what you're going to choose to get yeah, upset about. Right. This is not that big of a deal. So basically, I'm very comfortable in my bed. I, I wish I could be in my bed 24 hours a day. So I'm just doing my podcast from my bed. That's great. I get, you know, I used to think that, first of all, I'm rested. I think I caught up about, I caught up on like 20 years worth of sleep with all this. You Have know, you been sleeping we, a lot? I've been sleeping a lot, but now it's at the point where, okay, enough. I got to do something, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I'm getting twitchy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty much like, like Thursdays roll around and my ass wants to get on a plane. Right. Because that's what we, yeah, we're used to traveling and I'm driving my wife insane. In what know? way? Like, is she I like think stop she, talking? I think she, she I, I I pace a lot. I have a lot of energy, so oh. I, I think I'm driving her sane because I know I know my wife loves me, Jess. Because there's no money. <laughs> yeah, but you're so cute, so that helps. <laughs> like if you weren't good looking and there was no money, that's a very big problem. Something's wrong with her. Something's. But I I need to I need to get out. You know I need to. Uh, this I remember uh, when I would come home from the road, you know, because we come home like marauders. You know, you come home, you still got the road adrenaline. You just got off a plane mm-hmm. and you're, you're on, and for two days, you're home. So you want to do your laundry. You want to say hello. You want to get it all in before you got to go out again. Right. And my wife was like, OK, I'm going to it, think of yourself like a fish. I just bought you at the at the at the pet store. I'm going to put you in this little bag and then float you in the aquarium to acclimate <laughs> you to the house. <laughs> so. I'm also laughing because when you first started doing her voice, I thought mm-hmm. she was an old 
Asian woman. I swear to God. <laughs> I think you'd be like, what was, you should think of yourself like fish. You're in a bag. And I, that's literally what it sounded like at first. And I'm like, you're married to an old Asian woman? Because I never yes, met I your the, wife. Yes, I have the Beatles thing really bad. I married Yoko. <laughs> Oh, it was funny because when I, this, this was a this was my wife was a little upset because when I first started doing her because we're, we're pretty much the same artistically we're confessional comics and there's characters in our lives and we do voices right um, and we're willing to expose the things that scare us um, so when I started doing my wife when she when she entered my life as my girlfriend and I started incorporating her into the act and everything I only had I, the, the female voice I had sounded like my mother or people from New York. And my wife wasn't from New York. Apparently, my wife's from Tokyo, and I didn't know. <laughs> Is your wife from the Wuhan market? Yes, my wife. My, my wife. My wife's. All right, she ate the bat. I'm sorry. <laughs> she started this whole fucking. Thing. She was the one. Bat with a side of Oddvok. She. This I is what happened. I didn't mean to eat bat. Now everyone <laughs> die. <laughs> <laughs> picturing oh, you with an old Asian woman is hysterical. It's like picturing me with like, I don't even, th that was my computer. I don't even okay. know, what is it like, what would I, what would be the craziest person you would picture me with? A guy. <laughs> but what kind of guy? Uh, like what uh, would be nuts? An old I'm Asian not, man would be insane. An old Asian man would be insane. Yeah. I, you know what? An old, partially deaf Asian man. So you <laughs> would, would have to yell like? in his good ear. He would be like, Hano! Hano! Hale! No eat bad! No eat bad! 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 <laughs> you sound like my father. Uh, yeah? On a good day. Yeah. <laughs> On a good day. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're bad! Yeah. Bad, bad, bad is bad. <laughs> Thank you for that. For, for coaxing me into that borderline offensive accent. No, it was okay. It wasn't that yeah. bad. Plus, you bad. didn't I... say anything like clean my shirt or, you know, <laughs> do my <laughs> something like that. Count with beads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what? tell everyone where you grew up. I grew up on Long I was born in Queens and I was raised on Long Island. Um. Where on Long the Island? I, I was raised in Huntington, Long Island, right over the Nassau Suffolk border. Mm -hmm. um, and but I was born in Queens, and I remember I was very, very young when we left. Uh, but we took that Queens mentality out to uh, to Long Island because it was it, it was the great suburbs, you know. When I was a kid, my father, I remember my father. Um, I said, "How come we left Queens?" He's like, "Because the neighborhood was changing." You know, <laughs> I love that the neighborhood was changing. The neighborhood was changing. <laughs> And, he, and that's all he said. He yeah, never no, went any further. Yeah. He never went, oh, I was changing. Okay. A lot of people I'm coming just, in. I'm not saying what. I'm just saying we're leaving. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I because totally they, know what you're talking about. Yeah, because they're very insulated, my parents. Like I, and my grandmother, I never knew this. My grandmother had a brownstone in the village. What? And, yeah, she did. When she was when she was a girl, she grew up in a brownstone, and, my, and they sold it all. They moved out, and like wow, my yeah, my grandmother's and my father's generation, they they couldn't wait to get out of New York City, and I couldn't wait to get back in. Right. Of the course. biggest thing I did was I bought an apartment. Um, when I got when I I did a, I had a TV show. My one of my first TV shows. I had a little money in my pocket. I said, well, let me buy an apartment before I gamble this away. <laughs> so I bought an apartment, 
And I remember telling my dad and everything. And, and it was one of those things that you, your parents want you to be happy. They want to be happy for you and they want you to be happy, but they don't agree with your choice. It's like, it's like when you bring home someone uh, that, that you're dating and you want them and you meet them, your parents meet them for the first time. Yeah. You know you're in trouble when they leave and go, so? As long as you're happy. <laughs> as long as you're happy. Yeah, she was nice, you know. Yeah, yeah, you get that. And th then you hear later, you hear this muffled through the wall. It's his life, Joe. It's his life. You gotta <laughs> let him lead it. I'm not saying that, Louise. I'm saying the neighborhood's changing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the neighborhood's changing. That's a good, yeah, yeah that's a good uh, title for an, the, your next special. Yeah, the neighborhood's changing. But, but being in New York City, you're a more rounded person i yes. mean because you're you're just first of all the, the the flow and the stream and the and and the pulse of the city you're either going to keep up or you're going to die that's true and i think that urgency of existence in the city makes it you you get a, a priority system very quickly because you look i don't have time time to hate i don't have time to to mm -hmm. judge anybody else someone's going to take my fucking cab i don't care what color <laughs> you are get out of my you're in my way yeah yeah that's true you just I don't know. I love New York so much. I really do. It's such a great I'm a better, place. I'm a better comic in New York. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in California now. I'm at the house. I still got my apartment in the village, but I got the house here. Um, but I'm a better comic in New York. One, there's more stage time. A lot more. Yeah. And there's more inspiration. You know, there's not. And there's, and there's more connection. There's, there's more connection and mingling with people, which mm -hmm. is not good nowadays. No, stay home. You got to stay, stay home. And if you got it. If you got it, wash it. Um, I know but, what my grandmother would be saying. She'd be like, I don't know if the cleaning lady should come over. I don't know where she's been. but uh, My mother did that. Yeah. My mother said, I, I, my mother, I spoke to my mother this morning. Adam, what? I canceled the girl. I canceled <laughs> the girl. Chance. I talk the about girl. that in my act. She says the girl. Yeah. The girl, yeah. The best. Yeah. I'm like, I the canceled. girl's 65 and owns a home. But okay, <laughs> just keep calling her the girl. The girl has three like, kids. The girl. Yeah, the girl has a life insurance. Yeah. My mother's, my mother's, um, she, I got her in one of those 55 and over communities, you know, with the guard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she can't be left. Where is she? In mother. New York or Florida? No, she's on the east end of Long Island. I told her to go to Florida. My dad passed away. Right, but before before my dad passed, they, they were going to uh, retire. And they mm -hmm. were, were going to sell the house. It was a big house. They didn't need it, the whole thing. So I said, why don't you guys go to Florida? We're not old. Okay. Right. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Where are you going to go then? Mount Sinai. I go, Ma, that's Old <laughs> Testament. She's way out east on Long Island with the God. That's good, though. Wait, okay, so your parents stayed together. Oh, yeah. Had a good marriage? Yeah, I, I, they did. They, uh, they not only lived together, they worked together. Oh, yes, they, what'd they, they do? My father did kitchens and bathrooms. My, fa my, my, my grandfather was a plumber in Queens, mm -hmm. right? And my father wanted to elevate the business because my father was very handy with tools and stuff. So he wanted to elevate the business. He wanted to be an inventor. Mm -hmm. You know, he ran a garage when he was 19 years old and he, because he was mechanical, he could fix things. So he went into the business, the plumbing business, because my, my, my uncle and my uh, father went to because my grandfather needed a little help with the mm -hmm. business. He was getting older. So my father tried to elevate it, and my other uncle, I guess, just wanted to keep it the way it was, so he broke off on his own. Um, 
It's, it, it, was, it was like Paul McCartney. <laughs> you know, he came out on his own yeah. with my mother, and they came out to Long Island, and they started a business that my father did kitchens and bathrooms, and he got into the design part of it. So it was all custom kitchens and bathrooms. Oh, nice. My mother learned how to decorate. My wow. mother learned, went to class and learned how to be a designer, so it was a one-stop shop. But yeah, but my mother was decorating, you know, like a 60-year-old woman. Every, every, every kitchen looked like Elvis would cook there, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, you want to splash your color. That's why we have the Mexican guys with the big hats. Okay, Ma. <laughs> maybe, maybe remove that tile from the kitchen for these people. There needs so to be a lot are... of room for the Tupperware. <laughs> this is called a Lazy Susan. You put your pots in here and it spins around. It's freaking beautiful, Su- ain't it? Why is it called a Lazy Susan? I, I, I guess Susan was an underachiever. Poor Susan. Yeah, it was that that thing. We open it up and it goes I, around. Yep. Cool. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, we had that. And uh, so my father would design everything and my mother and father all worked together. And the business was down the block from the house. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the house was here. You go across, you go across a main street and there was the business down in a little shopping district. And what about so, siblings? Did you have siblings? I have two brothers. Yeah, I have two brothers that are both chefs. So oh. the thing that. Yeah, the thing is the thing that, that always got me is my father was very mechanical and I worked in the business for since I was a kid. And I grew up in, in an Italian Jewish neighborhood. And you right. could tell we didn't fit, you know, because all my friends were Jewish kids and they, you know, they went to camp and I went mm-hmm. to work. You know, my father right. went, you're out of school? Yeah. Yeah. You want to do arts and crafts? Take this hammer, knock that bathroom out. You can make a birdhouse <laughs> later. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I well, that's the neighborhood I grew up in. But we were we were talking before. It's the same thing. Italian and Jews. It's culturally, it's the same. It is you the know? same. It really is. But you know what? It's sounding to me like when I'm speaking to you, like it's like this lever, leave it to Beaver kind of household. Like was it? Mm. Did everyone j- just kind of get along? Like were you no, a happy kid? No. Yeah. No. I was. There was a lot of yelling. A lot yeah. of. You know, it was it was loud, but no one was saying anything. You know, because you, you don't talk about your feelings. That you know, is you just, so funny. Like, so yeah. they would just be screaming to, like, bring... Just yeah. the drama of it all. Yeah. Every, every moment was a crisis. Every... <laughs> I love that so much. Yes, every moment. And every... That's why the, the, the emotional level was up here. And it was always, I'm not yelling! You know, my father would be like, never let anyone outside this house know what we talk about. I'm like, the windows are open and you're screaming. They know. <laughs> Never let anyone know. Yeah. 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 What? 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 What is the big secret? Look, Uncle Louis is drunk. He's passed out in their bushes. This is not a secret. <laughs> He's outside. He's outside. Yeah. No He's shirt on, sleeping in the ivy. Okay. <laughs> Wait. So you're. Bro- where are you in the order? Are you the baby? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. The o- oh yeah, I'm the oldest. I have two oh. younger brothers. I'm the oldest, and I was. I never fit. I never fit in because I don't have the mechanical gene mm-hmm. my father has, uh, and I come from a long line of guys that can just fix everything. My father built my house. He wow. built the house we live because he bought the house. He bought a corner unit, and that's what he did for a living. And he, there was a fearlessness of a fearlessness my dad had. Um, we had a circular driveway. Uh, we didn't have one when we bought the house. We just had a lawn, and my father wanted a circular driveway. My mother thought it was because he wanted to be fancy. My father would say, it's because I don't want to back up. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to back up. I'm not backing up. I'm driving in. I'm driving out. So I come home from school one day. The bus drops us off. Um, and here's the other thing about the bus stop. And my dad is just as a presence. 
my bus stop was up the block and my mother was very nervous about us walking up the block to get on the bus. Mm -hmm. So my father didn't fill out a form. He didn't go to school to change everything. He pulled the bus driver aside. He goes, come here, pick up these kids in front of my house. Said, but <laughs> sir, that, that's not the bus stop. That's where the bus stops now. You understand me? <laughs> that's the bus stop now. Yeah. That was it. There was no form, no nothing. So next, the driver picked up, hello. You know, the driver was terrified. And my father, the bus driver was like, you want to drive? Uh, whatever you want to do, kid, it's fine. Yeah, so, just don't break my legs. Yeah, yeah, so the bus would stop at the corner of my house. I come home one day and there's a bulldozer cutting the front lawn. And my father's sitting on this little bulldozer like Fred Flintstone. And- oh. I got off the bus. I ran. I put. I threw my books down. I ran. I jumped on the bulldozer with my dad, and he's cutting the driveway. Oh, the, he's cutting. He's wow. leveling it. He's cutting it. Yeah, and I'm having the greatest time. And that night at dinner, I'm sitting there, and uh, at the end of the meal, I go, "Pop, where'd you learn how to drive a bulldozer?" And he, it was after dinner, so we had his lucky in his coffee. He went, "What learned? I rented a bulldozer. I cut a driveway. That was it." <laughs> He never learned. There was no learning. There was no nothing. Give me that machine. I'm going to do this. Was he a soft guy too or just like tough yeah. all the time? Oh, that's good. Yeah. He had he had that he had a he had a presence about him and a very caring nature for other people. At the end of my podcast, Jessica, um I always say I close every podcast by saying um life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. Yeah. The pod has ended. Go in peace. Yeah. Because my father would always he taught me, he taught me forgiveness. He said, look, you can't hang on to shit. He goes, the problem with us is we hang on to stuff. You got to let it go. People fuck up. All right. You're going to fuck up. How do you want to be treated when you fuck up? Can't, you can't corner people. You got to let them go. And, where do you and, think and, and he learned true. that? That's such a, I mean, that's a beautiful, it's, it's perfect advice, but where do you think he learned that? I think he learned it. I don't think he learned it. I think he experienced the other part of it. Cause when my dad was a little bit different from uh, everyone else in the family, they were hard, mm -hmm. hard people. But my dad had, had this, this heart and, but he was a big, physically big presence. Mm -hmm. My, my dad, my dad was a boiler with a head, you know, he's just this yeah. big man, but he had this softness and this kindness for other people. He hated bullies. And because mm -hmm. he was a large man, he could, he, he would go around and when the bullies were picking on people, Mm -hmm. He would, he would, he would straighten the bullies out. He goes, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's a good idea you yell at that little kid. What do you think? Oh, he and, seems like, he seems like he was such a great guy. Yeah. One of the fondest memories I have just, like I said, the, uh, my, um, my father's, uh, shop was down the block from the house and our neighbor, everyone knew everybody in our neighborhood mm -hmm. growing up. It was Italian Jewish neighborhood and everyone knew everybody. My aunt Carol owned the deli, Kenny owned the pharmacy. I had to get on a train and go to the next town to buy cigarettes and condoms when I was 15 years old. Because they oh, would have told amazing, my father, right? You had yeah. to do it out of the, yeah, not yeah, yeah. Get, go out of the area. I was nine years old. I was allowed to buy cigarettes because Kenny knew what my father smoked. <laughs> so, he would give me, and it was like it was, it was like like you know it was I don't know seventy five cents for a pack of pack of Luckies. He would crazy? send me around the corner with the money. He goes go give this to Kenny. Come back. Hey, bring him back cigarettes. Once I tried to buy Marlboros, my Kenny goes get out of here. Your father don't smoke Marlboros. Okay. Yeah, life was different then. My God. Yeah. It's so but the one, th I remember the one thing about my dad was mm -hmm. at the end of the day, because it was in the sh the, his shop was in the shopping center mm -hmm. and we knew everybody in the shopping center. Everybody looked out for everybody. And at the end of the day, like four o'clock, the guys were coming off the trucks and I'd come home, whoever I was helping, Michael, Tony, whoever I was helping at the time, you come back and everyone says goodbye at the end of the day. And the people up in the neighborhood would come down and bring my father coffee. Mm -hmm. You like no sugar. You bring him a cup of coffee, sit there and they would just tell 
my father their problems. Aww. Yeah, he would light a cigarette. I, vividly, I remember sitting in the corner playing with a half-inch pipe cutter and watching these adults just pour their hearts out. My father just looked at him going, all right, look, here's what you need to do. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, he was Lucy in the Peanuts. The doctor is in. That was yeah, my fault. Yeah, that's so. So, how did they feel? What What made you become a comedian? I mean, I know you've been asked that so many yeah. times, but I'm no, just... but we all are. But, but it's it's. I yeah. was good at it. Yeah, I, we we're all asked that question, but I was good at it. I wanted to always make people. I always made people laugh, and I knew that making my father laugh was how I fit into the family because I couldn't mm -hmm. do the work that they did. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't, he couldn't send me out to lead a job. You know, I, I couldn't go out and I couldn't put a shower, I couldn't put a shower body in. I didn't have the, the skill. You know, I could pick up the tools. I could do a little bit here, but I didn't have the mm -hmm. skill to lead a job. So I always felt less than. I would always be with my father. I couldn't work on cars, even though I love cars. I can't fix them. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I can hold the light. That's what my job was. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I started realizing I could make people laugh and I saw my father's stressed face go away when I would make him laugh, I went, oh, that's how I can contribute. That's beautiful. That, that's how I can help. Yeah. And it's... when I went on stage, my father gave me permission to do it. He came down, open mic night, July 13th, 1988, Eastside Comedy Club on Long Island. Holy shit, 1988. 88, yeah. You know, you kids, you kids with the internet. Crazy. So, I started in uh, 99. I started, I've been doing it 21 years. So you've been doing it how many? Like, yeah. I'm in country over 30 years. Oh my God. Crazy. But my open mic, my mother told everybody in the neighborhood. They all came. The whole Aww. neighborhood was there. So I had to be funny quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and when I got done doing that, I went back to the shop and I remember looking at my father. My father looked up at me and said, he looked at me like he's never looked at me before. Like, oh, that's who you are. Mm -hmm. And I said, Pop, I want to do this. And he took a long drag out of Lucky. He says, do it now. He goes, do it now before your life gets complicated. Wow. And give it everything you got. Oh. Worst feeling in the world. One day you're going to wake up and there's going to be an old man looking back at you. Yeah. And you don't want to think if I only tried a little bit harder. My dad passed away and it does hurt like hell. And it, there's a reason I think, because I just did um, Eddie at the Improv, uh, Eddie's uh, podcast mm -hmm. uh, out here. And we ended up talking about my dad. So there's something in the air. Oh, that's, that's so interesting. Yeah, it was a lot of it. Uh, a lot of it comes back to me as a person, but a lot of it comes back to it just wants to come out. I will give you this little piece of advice. It's going to hurt like hell. Allow yourself to be hurt. Allow yourself to be strong. It's going to pop up at the weirdest times. I remember yeah, once I was did, on a- Yeah, it does. Like I heard a James yeah. Taylor song and I lost it because my father loves James Taylor. Yeah. I, I, my father, I, when I remember once it popped, uh, when it popped up for me, uh, I punched James Taylor. I was like, I don't know why I'm going to punch James Taylor. My father wants me to do this. No, I, <laughs> I punched. You assaulted uh, it. Yeah. I got into a rental car and something happened. It was the ding of the car, the sound of the motor, something, mm -hmm. the smell. I don't know what triggered this response, but I just started sobbing. Be and I just, I was all by myself and I started just punching the headliner. Yeah. Just, to, just punching the roof of the car. I broke the dome light and I just, I it get just, it. it. It comes out that way. So I would, I would, I would encourage you to get yourself in a safe environment and let it out when it comes because what is going to happen is the hurt, the edge is dull on the pain. My experience, Jess, the edges is going to dull on the pain and you're going to feel like you lost a part of you, but you're going to gain space and awareness that you didn't have mm -hmm. before 
because what I learned was I no longer have to play that role of feeling less than and searching for his approval now that he's gone. Do you feel like that? Because, you know, it's interesting. Some people, oh, some people, this is sad. And I, I, mm -hmm. I know I'll end up like you, more like you. But some people never, ever let that go, even when their parent yeah. goes. It's so interesting. Like, mm. they continue to struggle with that the rest of their lives, even though the parent isn't, isn't alive anymore. Yeah, it's it's if you you it, it it's pretty courageous to process grief. Yeah. To allow yourself to feel the pain and to allow yourself to realize that this is change. Mm -hmm. Change is going to happen whether you participate or not. I know. So if you don't participate, you're the same guy. And if you do participate, you you can grow a little bit more. Do you do you feel like you're like did you feel at the time that you were complete with him? Like did you feel mm -hmm. like there's things you wish you had said? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I, there's there's a lot of regret of things I I should have said. I'm very uh, I'm very grateful he got to know my wife. Yeah, before he yeah. died, he got to know my wife before he died, and I'm very grateful I got to spend the time with him. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned to let go of the regret of things I should have done. Yeah, you you have to. Yeah. Also, everything happens for a reason. Like. I don't know if like what, what whatever we think we're supposed to be doing is always mm -hmm. what should happen anyway. Um, well, it is the thing that helped me is everything I think I was supposed to be doing. I realized what the fuck do I know? Right. I I've been wrong so many times, and it's felt just like this, you know. So yeah. it's like, yeah. A certain I always thought I knew so much, and then I realized I know nothing. I really no. don't know a lot. No, especially with all the conditions we have now, you realize mm -hmm. the, how fragile everything is and how out of, how let, no control we have. I know. It's that quote. You know what that quote I love is, make plans and God laughs. I say that yeah. on the podcast a lot, but it's really true. Like, who the, would have thought this was going to happen? I mean, it's insane. No. People have all look, these plans and regrets and all this, you know, and, and it's like, that, now look, none of it yeah. is happening. Yeah. Now what? Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. All right, hold up. Could you take a little off, off the P's? You're hitting them too hard. The Not action. Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. Hold on. Now you're whispering Patreon. Is there a reason oh. you're whispering? Well, you said to take the P. Somewhere like, in the middle. Okay, okay. You ready? Action. Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members. Now you got to pause. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members, is that okay? Patre <laughs> it was perfect. Why did you stop? Oh, okay. Patreon members. Cut. Let's go back to the beginning. Thank you and so- And action. Thank you so much to all my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams where we talk more about- All right, let's take it back to the beginning. That was perfect. Do it exactly like that. I just did it well, though, Except but why are you starting over? Thank you so much to all of my patron- Cut. <sighs> why are you screaming? Because I'm just trying to get through this. Action. Thank you so much to all of Action. my- Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast. Perfect. Keep going. There's so many P's. Keep going. Keep going. Ad-free episodes. You could cut this out, right? For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams where we talk more about being relatively sane. Hold up. Did we agree on monthly live streams? 
Yes, you told me I should do them because it'll get more members. I don't know how to do a monthly live stream. Don't you just talk in your phone? Uh, we'll figure it out. Come on, let's get through this. We have to go. We should okay. speed this up. All right. Thank you so much to all my Patreon members for supporting this podcast. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams. We don't know what that is, but whatever, where we talk about being relatively sane. If you want to join our fantastic community that is so corny, go to patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patreon. I think you said patriot.com. Go to petroleum.com, I mean, patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. Patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. Thanks again. And cut. That's a wrap. Ugh. Yeah. I will tell you one thing for me that helped and a change that I experienced when my dad died was, and the word, I struggled a long time with the word surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, you know, what the fuck? You know, you don't surrender. Get the fuck out of here. Take yeah. no prisoners. If it doesn't fit, get a bigger hammer, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, it's not surrendering to me. What would help me was I, my dad passed away and I felt so helpless to do anything. He died in my arms. You know, Aww. he died. He went out in a chair with my whole family around him. And there was the death rattle and I, I kissed his head and I said, it don't hurt no more, Pop. Mm. And so that's the way he went out. And I realized the, the the loss of control and whatever I thought I was holding on to is what I thought was my identity was like, after I got through the pain, I'm like, surrender for me now became, I'm not surrendering who I am or the ideals I have. I'm surrendering to what is. My father's dead. That's it. That's the end of that part of my life. Yeah. I can't bring him back, can't control what happened. So I have to surrender to what is the circumstances. It's like we, we said before, this pandemic is here. Here's a big bowl of chicken shit. Stop making chicken salad. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, basically, wait, how long ago did he pass? 2010. Wow. Yeah. I'm still talking about it, but I'm talking about it from a healthier place now. Oh, I'm sure it's, I mean, it changes all the time. And then again, like, I'm sure things bring it up. Like, we're talking about it now. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, and I, like I said, I was talking on Eddie's podcast, and I remember I was talking about it. It, it just it naturally comes through me, and I don't know why. I think somebody needs to hear something. So that that was the other part of surrender. It's like I want to do this, this, and this. And one of the things helped me in my podcast is I would even in your interview. And first of all, thank you for doing my podcast. Of course. Um, is you know I had structured stuff I wanted to ask you, and then when the conversation takes off, that's where we're going. That's yeah, and I love that. Because yeah. some are so structured that it's like, oh my God, we don't have to talk about this. Yeah. It can go wherever it needs to go naturally. You know, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's really, it's an interesting thing that you said he met your, your girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. So you hadn't been married yet. No, right? I've never married before, but I met my girlfriend. I told her I was going to marry. And this Aww. is, this is one of the things I got. See that ring? Yeah. My mother gave that ring to my father when they got engaged. Oh. So when he passed away, uh, I got the ring and I, 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 I used it as my wedding ring. So now it's my wedding ring. I love that. I noticed yeah. your ring. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Now, if my mother would have given me an engagement ring, I would have saved a fortune. <laughs> I know. Really? Who did Fuck, that go I got to? killed. I got killed. <laughs> that's, that's a big one. I know, especially because you need to get it. You need to get a big one so that you look like a more successful person. Oh, yeah. And my wife is stunning. I'm batting over my head. So 
I knew I had to get a big. Uh, I need look. I need I need people to think I have money. That's I what I'm saying. But, if you get them a big ring, it looks like you have a lot more money than you have. That's why you yeah, have I, to get. Yeah, yeah. I, I got I got nothing. I got. That's why I know she loves me. There's no fucking money. Where'd you meet her? I met her on a uh, a movie set, uh, and the cool thing about it was we we had no scenes together because those relationships they never work because they're. Anytime you meet somebody at work, especially in our business, you're in heightened emotional circumstances yeah. and you're protected from the rest of the world. So it's not real life. You're playing, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing movie, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, I met her on this movie. And then when I came out to L.A., I was house sitting for, you know, Jack Kenny. He wrote uh, Book of Daniel. Yeah, that he name ran, is so familiar. Titus. Yeah, he's a TV writer. So I was staying at his house. Um, he had me house sitting. Uh, him and his husband, Michael, were in New York. And he's got a, had a stunning mansion up by the Greek theater. And my wife was working on this movie and she, the director wanted to meet me. So she had to drop off a script. So I called, I called, um, Jack and I said, you know, what's the policy? Can I have a girl over the house? And Jack goes, honey, tell her it's your house. (laughs) That's perfect. I said, yeah, but how am I going to explain the picture of all the gay men in the theater memorabilia? (laughs) How's that going to get me laid? (laughs) Right. There's, there's a huge ass on the wall in front of you. (laughs) You know what he had? You opened up the door and he had a beam and a player piano would start playing. Oh, that's the gayest thing I've ever heard in my life. Why don't you just hire a rip tailor to throw confetti on you when you walk in? that's really... God. That's a category of gay. Yeah, that's That's... like Richard Simmons comes out and does a dance. It's a whole thing. (laughs) So she came over? She came over um, and... uh, and there was an, I was very attracted to her and we're talking and everything and the house is stunning. And all of a sudden she gets up and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to, you know, being the Asian woman she is. Oh, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have to uh, take my shoe off and pray. <laughs> she goes, I'm so sorry. I have to leave. I have an online poetry class. <laughs> and that's. That was the excuse. So in my head, I'm thinking this now woman. Now she sounds not only, deaf. Now she sounds deaf. <laughs> I have to leave. I have a point to clap. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> but she said she had an online poetry class. I'm thinking, not only does this woman not like me, she thinks I'm a fucking idiot. And yeah, that she... sounds so unbelievable. She's like, I have to go fly in the air. To... Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. What do you have to do? Excuse me, I have to fight crime. You know, and she just leaves. <laughs> so... Later she came back and she and later she said she was I was so attracted to you I I got nervous oh. and I had to get out of there. Oh, that's and I was like cute. and that's what you came up with. Why don't you say I'm so sorry I'm having a seizure something just <laughs> something or fake believable. a seizure go down <laughs> start shaking I would have got it on your knees you know I'm yes yeah. <laughs> oh, so, that's yeah. sweet that she said that. Yeah. So that you was, guys that had cool. that instant connection. I did, yeah. I remember. I and I didn't have it on the movie set because I wasn't in the frame of mind. But I had it when I saw her. I remember thinking, "That's mine." Oh. Yeah, yeah I was like, mm, "That's mine." Did you have commitment stuff before that? Like, did Hell you yeah. ever think you'd get married? No, I thought I didn't get it. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, I thought. I guess I don't just don't get it. I guess you know, storybooks mm-hmm. are bullshit. I don't get it. I was. I. I was in. I was emotionally connected to other people, and yeah. I felt. And I felt, uh, and I was, I was a very good boyfriend. I was, mm. apparently I'm a serial monogamist, you know? Um, but when I met my wife, I, I was aware of the difference between have to and want to. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a huge thing. Yeah. 
that you're kind of like, I feel like so many people get forced into a marriage. Especially in India. <laughs> well, Listen. in her family too, a lot of Asian people have to force, <laughs> get forced into marriages into their, with their bound feet. Yeah. Well, why uh, do I have to marry him? So his father won't invade our father's land. Shut up. Put on the dress. <laughs> I am so grateful that I, because Orthodox people do that too. You're marrying oh, yeah? this girl from the neighborhood. She's, yeah, it's, I don't understand. Supposedly those marriages work out a lot, but I think just because they just pray and they don't, I, I don't, I think the whole thing is just praying, to be honest with you. Or kidnapping. Pick one. <laughs> yeah. When you, how'd you meet your it. wife? How did you meet your wife? Uh, through friends. We mm -hmm. met through friends. We were both in like the end of our other relationships. Mm -hmm. And then we just started, like we kind of went to each other for comfort and would talk because yeah. we, we knew each other's um, exes. Right. So <clears throat> we, we just started like becoming friends and that's kind of how it started. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I never like dating. I am not, mm -hmm a player. I never like went to, I, I don't know how to yeah. hit on people. I never know when so, uh, someone was hitting on me. I, yeah. You too. I have no idea. My wife no. knows. Not only does my wife know when someone's hitting my, she, she can't believe that. I don't know. I'm like, when did you, what, when, what I did? I'm an idiot. You knew that when you married me, what makes you think I got smart now that I know this woman's was saying, I have no idea. She I can see that. you not knowing at all. If someone's yeah. hitting on you, just from knowing no you as much as I do, I, I, I can totally, and I'm the same way. Like someone would used to say to me years ago, you know, oh my God, I've had a crush on, I'm like, what? Yeah. A crush on me? I thought, you thought I was disgusted. Yeah, no clue. I have no clue. I'm like, I'm like a guy that, that has the best of intention who suffered a head wound. I have no clue about what goes on as far as other people's motives and intentions. You know, I just don't, I don't get it. Well, what has been your feeling about being around male comic? Cause you, you are like a, a, a nice guy. You come mm -hmm. from a, a good family. Parents stay together. How has it been for, cause a lot of comics, obviously male comics have, and female comics, but male mm -hmm. comics have like relationship stuff. They're, they, they fuck around a lot. They're with a different girl every night. Like, was that ever, did you I ever did feel? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did okay. I did okay. I could see that. But I yeah, mean. Yeah, I did. But I never, I, it wasn't, I started playing the guitar to get girls, you know, and then I realized, I did. And I played bar band guitar, which means I know the beginning of every good song. And then when That's it gets hysterical. tough, I, I got to put this down. Yeah. And then when I started doing comedy, I you know, you still want to get girls and a lot of them, you know, were the waitresses that work there and the staff and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but I never had the, it wasn't as fulfilling for me as getting the laugh. I mean, it was great to get girls and I, I did very, I did okay. And mm -hmm. I, I had my share of it, but I was more concerned about, it wasn't healing anything for me, you know? Yeah. I always, I was always felt beholden to other people's feelings if I entered into that situation mm -hmm. where comedy felt healing to me. I felt more, at home on stage and there was always a, a it was always a uh, I always remember the don't shit where you eat you yes know? yes big thing. so I yeah so I, I did okay but as far as meeting women and stuff um I was very monogamous because it was I was always so grateful that someone wanted to hang out with me you know and it, and I liked this person and they liked me back and I always had that we were talking before we were talking about that that position of not providing but to be not to disappoint. Does that make sense? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. I totally understand it. Do you feel like when you get a huge, <clears throat> excuse me, um, mm. applause and laughter from the audience, do you feel like it fills something in you? Like oh, yeah. you, you do. And what, I think what do it you does feel be- when that happens. Uh, it is, it's a current, you get the current because I, mm-hmm. it's, I've, I've, after we've been doing, we've been in country for so long, me and you, that it comes through me Yeah. and I've learned, I can get out of my own way on stage. I can be the best version of me is when it's coming through me. And when it's providing a service of whatever's bothering you, I'm going to take it away for this. Oh, that's, that's why you're so funny. Oh, I'm telling you, and I know you're going to understand this more than anyone, but I've been saying this for so many years. I just said it in an interview the other day. I feel like comics are either givers or takers, and I only mm-hmm. laugh at the givers. Oh, that's great. That's a great like, yeah. way of putting it. I only laugh at the ones who really are doing it to help someone, and to yeah. it's not about them. And they... Yeah. Because there are comics, as you know, that go up yeah. and, it's, and, and they can kill it. They can kill and they can be famous and they can fill arenas. Sure. But I don't laugh at them because I know it's about them trying to feed their own ego. And it's, it's, not, to, it's not to do service, which I yeah. feel like is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, even like in this time, what we're doing now is providing content, putting yes. out what can we do in the face of it. That's what we can do. Yeah, this is and all to help people, help people laugh a little bit. There's a satisf, and I think when you say, what do I get out of it? I think that's the satisfying nature of I've done my job. I've used the tools I can. I've, you, know, you don't want to die with your music in you, mm-hmm. you know, but you got to be willing to give it away and realize that whatever, whatever, whatever energy you're putting out that gives away, will, there'll be more than enough to take care of what you need from it. Like yeah. holding on, grasp, grasping onto this thing isn't going to help serve anybody because mm-hmm. it's, it's a knot in the hose. You know, you need the water's got to flow. I totally get that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, I, I, I wanted to ask you this question because when I think back about my career, like working with De Niro and doing the mm-hmm. Tonight Show, whatever it is, I'm like, oh my God, I, I've lived a night, good life. Like, yeah. How many people can say yeah. that they've done television? Like, do you think I, about that a lot? I no, think about and you, you know, when I, thought I it started, when I started doing the podcast, I'm like, oh, how the fuck am I? Because I wanted to do something that was, everyone has a podcast, and yeah. how is mine different? And I just didn't want to, you know, just, just do what, what was out there before. So uh, I wanted to communicate a feeling, because when I was a kid, the best night's sleeps I ever got, when I was upstairs, a little boy, and I would listen to my mom and dad and their friends downstairs laughing. That Aww. was just a comforting feeling for me. So I set that. That's the feeling I wanted to communicate. So my podcast opens up with like five, 10 minutes talking about a subject, me, my wife, my two friends. Then we cut to a one-on-one interview that, that you graciously did with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, like any good group of friends, we talk about you when you leave. So <laughs> Great. There's another 10 minutes of a, of a post-mortem of that interview and what we heard and how it affects our lives. I like it's all that over. a lot. Yeah. So in doing that, finding that construction and realizing, okay, I got to get guests. I put out the word. I called up my friends and I could not believe how many people said, when? Of course, I'd love to. Yeah. You, all the people like Edie Falco, um, uh, Jay Leno, Kevin James, all these people came up and said, sure, I could. Dar- uh, uh, Richard Hammond from the original Top Gear in UK. I spoke to him this morning in London and I realized, wow, I did all this shit. Yeah, I know. I know what you yeah. mean. You created you, these relationships. You, yeah. Let me ask you this. Did, while we're doing it, do you have an awareness of while you're doing it? And can you accept while you're doing it? You're working with fucking De Niro. Mm-hmm. Could you take that in at the time? 
Yeah, I did. I mean, I really got it when I saw him on the night, all the talk shows saying my name. That's when wow. I was like, wow. Okay, Robert yeah. De Niro just said my name on Kimmel, Fallon. It was yeah. crazy. That's yeah, what I hit saw me. That, that same thing hit me. That awareness when I saw Leary say my name on TV and Edie Falco say my name on TV and saying, that, oh, I love working with him. I'm like, who? What's <laughs> the know? what's the best thing you ever did? Like, the, what was the most fun thing you ever did on television or movies? Because you've done so much stuff. Um, one of the most fun things, one of the earliest episodes of Top Gear, might have even been the first or second episode. I jumped a Cadillac about 40 feet in the air. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't mean to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. We were off-roading. We, we, the, the, the episode was um, the Moonshine episode. So basically, we, we buy cars, and we got to outrun revenuers. And what they did when they were running Moonshine is they would go into backwoods and trails and stuff. Mm -hmm. So my Moonshine car was a, a 76 Coupe de Ville. Because, listen to me, what else should I be driving? Yeah, you that's know? the hottest car there is. Yeah. Huge, right? So the thing is huge. And we're on this dirt bike track trying to outrun these you know, revenues. So there was a water hazard, and then there was this little ramp, uh, like a dirt mound for dirt bikes. So I knew I had to carry a bunch of momentum through the water because this car would have got stuck. Because it's like, it's, it, it's, it's thousands of pounds. So I go through the water, I'm nailing the gas, I come out of it, and I go up. Whoa. And all of a sudden, it got real quiet for a long time. And I'm up in the air, and this thing is sailing through the air. I'm looking down, and time is like stopping, Jessica. And we're shooting in North Carolina, and way off in the woods, I hear, Yeehaw! Oh, boom! I hit the ground. You can see it online. It's called the Flying Coupe de Ville on YouTube. The car is bent. Wow, I got to see that. Yeah, so I got to jump a Cadillac. That was the funnest thing I ever got to do. I got to... Uh, Oh, they, they, they flew me to Germany. They gave me a, a new Lamborghini. They put me on the Autobahn, and they said, go. Whoa, that's I did 100, sick. 173 or something in a, wow. in a Lamborghini. Yeah, they gave me. Top Gear was one of the most adventurous shows. I did 188 in a Ferrari F12 Berlinetta. I did, you know, I got to do all this kind of stuff. And, and acting-wise, I got to. I got to work with with Edie. I mean, first, she's I was, amazing. When I was doing, she was in the yeah, comedian. She was in the yeah, movie with me. It's so crazy. She was, she was did when I got to do stuff with Dennis. That was a great guy show to be on. You know, mm -hmm. I played the fire chief, and it was a lot of, it was a, it was like the army barracks. You know, because mm -hmm. you know, I've done Dennis for years. We've done a bunch of stuff, and his trailer is always the barracks, and we're always in there. You know, we always hang out. He's got a great open door policy, and we were all smoking then. So smoke is just billowing out. It looked like we elected a pope. Smoke is just billowing out. <laughs> yeah. And then when, but there was a certain amount of male energy of doing that. It was great to be in a gang. That was a fucking gang. That yeah. Show. And then when I went to do um, Nurse Jackie, it was pretty much just me and Edie because I played that part of her, her world. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was a little harder. That was more courageous as an acting challenge because I had to be more vulnerable in that role. And I learned a great deal more about me in that role with Edie because she's such a good actor that you have to dig really deep to match her. Yeah, she's incredible. She really yeah. is. And I remember there was a, a moment where Frank, my character, had to apologize for Jackie. He was clearly wrong. He didn't pick up the phone. And the emotional turn was so quick that I had to put aside my bullshit because I wouldn't, I wouldn't apologize that quick. It would take me a while to, mm -hmm. and I had to put aside my bullshit and surrender to these circumstances and be truthful in that moment, in that period of time. And I left with like this feeling of, 
wow, I didn't know I had that in me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And to bring that back around with what you're about to embark on with your dad and everything, I will let you know that if you surrender to what is and allow yourself to be, there's going to be space there and you're going to discover a lot more yourself that you never knew you had and it's Mm -hmm. going to come in real handy someday. I don't know how, I don't know when, but just trust what you're going through because I've been there. I completely agree with you and I'm very, I believe in surrendering and that we're powerless and yeah. You know, you got to just sometimes put up your hands and say, I'm, I'm not in control and whatever's supposed to happen is. And thank yeah. God I, we think like that because it makes life easier. It really does to think yeah. that way. And like my, my mother, my mother processes grief by knitting. My oh, father died in 2010 yeah. and I have more Afghans than Kabul right now. She's just <laughs> Than Kabul. Yeah, she doesn't. I, I, th- I think my mother doesn't want to process the grief because she feels like she's betraying my dad's memory. I, I know don't. a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. They, they're afraid to move on or they have a hard time moving on because they feel like they're supposed to stay stuck or. Yeah, this yeah. is how I, how could I be disloyal by not yes. by growing? That seems that's very Italian. Oh, it yeah. Seems like, yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. That huge. That's very, how could you be disloyal by growing? And you're not. You're just like, life is going to go on. How do you not grow? Italians don't, we don't, we don't travel. We don't, they paint the basement red and green. They put another, another kitchen and they live in the basement. Or you go to the same place on a cruise every year. That's it. Italians don't travel. Columbus had to go to Spain to get the boats. (laughs) You're right. So true. Well, I love you so much, Adam. I'm very impressed with how, how, um, introspective you are and how you have where I can always tell when I do the podcast or even just have a conversation with someone mm-hmm. and sit around the comedy cellar and you know have a conversation I can tell who's worked on themselves and who had and in, in a minute um yeah. but you've done a lot of work and you sound really good and if you ever get out of that house again <laughs> um that prison uh, yes then, I'm gonna come no, I'm and gonna give you a big hug yeah, oh my God, I, I can't wait to hug, give maybe. you a hug. I love you yeah. so much. You're so brilliant. Can you tell people what the podcast, where they can reach you online, sure. all that stuff? Yeah, sure. It's the Adam Farrar podcast, 30 minutes, you'll never get back. You can get it where, <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. My friend Jessica Curson is going to be on there. Um, you can get me at, at Adam Ferrara on all the social media stuff. Um, and I want to thank my friend Jessica for having me on. I love you, baby. I want to thank you too. And I don't always say this, but people know when I say it, I really mean it. Like that's true. Um, Adam is hysterical. I mean, you have been an incredible comic since the day I first saw it. You're one of those people, and I'm not saying it just because everyone knows I don't always say this. <laughs> But you're one of those people, like when I first saw you, when I first saw Brewer, when I first saw John Panette, like there's certain people I just was like, holy shit. You're, I mean, you are hysterical. So if you guys see that Adam is in your city or wherever you are, if we're ever let out again, you need, well, first of all, follow, of course, listen to the podcast, but go see Adam live because really you are unbelievably funny, like special, very special. Ah, that's very kind of you. Thank you so much. I love you, and thank you I for doing you this. Oh, my pleasure. 